0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do. Hi, Kim. first time, just us, Nina. I know, how oh, exciting. Goodness. Like, not Andrew here. It's oh, a that's... nice change, I'm sure, for the listeners as yeah. well. <laughs> I'm
1: sure he's enjoying his break too.
0: I know. Yeah. I think we'd both rather be overseas, but,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. the sun's out here. That's true. It's a lovely day today. In some summery gear. Yeah. change. Finally springtime.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a really packed one yeah. today.
1: A lot to get through.
0: Yeah, so I think let's start with redundancy first. Amy.
1: Okay, so, we've got, so under Section 120 of the Act, employers can apply to the Fair Work Commission to not pay or reduce redundancy payments in certain circumstances, whether they don't have the funds, they have found other acceptable employment for the employer, employee, or if they're a small business under fifteen. And so, this is what this case deals with—an application of that nature.
0: And you um, have to make
1: the application.
0: Just to be clear, like you don't get to just decide, you don't, and then just not pay, not. like which is
1: a lot of people think. Yeah. 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 Certain application, certain process and and a fairly high threshold to prove it as well. Yeah. So in this case, the employee wanted to make or made five employees redundant but didn't want to pay them any redundancy at all. And they did so on the basis of their application was that if we do pay them, we will run the risk of being insolvent Mm -hmm. and also because we're a small business under 15 people. But went against them was the fact that they had just paid their CEO a bonus of $110,000. Oh, my gosh. And the Fair Work Commission rightly said, well, that could have waited, and the priority has to be the redundancy payments to the employees. At the time of the redundancies, they were actually only 11 employees, but they had an associated entity, which was the controller, an overseas controller. Oh, yeah. And so the Fair Work Commission said that that's enough as well to put them over that small business. Yeah. So had to pay.
0: So it's a good reminder yeah. about redundancy payments that you have to follow the correct processes. Mm. And when considering who is a small business, remember the test includes associated entities. So double check. Yeah. All right, cool. On to this next one, which I think a lot of people have heard about. Oh. Yeah. So the world's
1: watching this one, Nina. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so Chevron, if you don't know, has applied this week. For three intractable bargaining decisions from the Fair Work Commission. And that's because they've been absolutely locked in terrible EBA negotiations Mm -hmm. with the Offshore Alliance, who have basically told the employees to reject every enterprise agreement. I think the last one, three people voted yes, like 300 or something like that. And the reason for that is they've said, look, if we put the pressure and threaten industrial action, we'll get the enterprise agreement we want, Mm -hmm. which has actually happened. At very successfully with Chevron's competitors. Mm. And Chevron has not agreed. And so, two of the LNG plants are currently in strike, mm. which is costing them 76 million a day, just to be clear. And mm. these two plants make up 7% of the world's LNG gas supplies. So, yeah. it's driving yeah. gas prices up, and the whole
1: world is washing, like Kim said. And share prices down, yeah. I expect. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So,
0: it's crazy. So. Fair Work Commission has set down the date for 22nd of September to hear them on intractable bargaining decision. Mm -hmm. As we all know, you can only get that if you've been bargaining for at least nine months. You've reached an impasse, you've tried to resolve it and you need the Fair Work Commission's help. The effect of such a decision will mean that the strike will have to stop straight away Mm -hmm. and the Fair Work Commission will set the terms and conditions, which is crazy because it's the first time we'll ever see it come into effect. But I don't know, I think it'd be really interesting to see it, but I'm not holding my hopes up because we've seen, like, schools, we've seen ambulances tried Mm -hmm. on, but they all end up settling in the end, which I guess is a good thing. Could be be, in that case,
1: though. Yeah, it would be very interesting
0: and, yeah, so we'll see.
1: One to watch. Yeah, we'll keep you updated. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is, like, I think... A very simple case, but it's just a reminder because
1: yeah.
0: once again, working from home is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. And even though we're transitioning back and it's through COVID, people still think that there's this entitlement mm-hmm. that if it worked, then I should have the right to work from home. Yeah, not so. Yeah, definitely not. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the employee was required to work in the Brisbane office one day a week and four days in the Sunshine Coast office. Mm-hmm. She did not. <laughs> she didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And they only found out because the office manager of the space rang them up and said, Hey, do you still want this space? Yes. Because no one's been here in three weeks. And so they checked her, I think, mobile phone tracking data mm-hmm. and realized she'd just been working from her noosa home and yes. just didn't tell anyone.
1: And hadn't been doing much work. Yeah, exactly. So I rightly terminated her employment.
0: Yeah, with notice mm-hmm. because they had a very clear policy that you could work from home if you applied for a flexible work arrangement and got approved, yeah. which she did she not did. do. <laughs> so the uh, Work Commission found, look, valid reason for dismissal and mm. everything was done correctly. It's yeah. just a reminder that...
1: You if you know, want some flexibility, you have to do it properly and go through the channels. Yeah. So apply for a flexible workplace arrangement. Really good idea too with when you're drafting employment contracts, try and avoid any requirements about working from home or in the office unless you've got specific circumstances, like we may have with a yeah. new recruit oh. scene. <laughs> but anyway, so you're better off having it in, as a flexible workplace arrangement. Or, or a, policy. a
0: policy, yeah. Like make sure your contractual terms say that the location is at the office or any yeah. other location, yeah. as, as the employee. So to give you that flexibility. Obviously, it'd be different if contractually she was allowed to work from home. Mm. But if you don't have that right, Essentially, by doing so, she unilaterally tried to change the terms of her yeah. contract. And suffered the consequences. Yeah,
1: fair enough.
0: So it's just a good reminder. Next one. This oh. was other oh, another pre Quint- <laughs> They've
1: had a really rough couple of weeks. I know.
0: Weeks. <laughs> it's, I don't think Vanessa Hudson's enjoyed this no. week at all. <laughs> yeah. So the High Court unanimously, like every one of them, said no. Like Qantas completely lost their appeal against the federal decision federal court decision that they had not engaged in adverse action against 1,700 ground service employees Mm. when they chose to outsource them during COVID and it's a really interesting case I think because of the nuance around what is a workplace right because Qantas made this decision during peak COVID time which obviously everything was shut down Mm. and the High Court agreed there was very sound commercial decisions right. to outsource them. But what really went against them is the fact that a substantial insignificant significant part of the decision-making, mm. which is the test, what is the substantial and operative reason, yeah. was the fact that a year from the decision, their enterprise agreement was going to expire, mm. which gave the employees the right to engage in protected industrial action to get the enterprise agreement they wanted. Yeah. And Qantas said... No, nah, I don't want to deal with that. just going to get rid of the problem now, <laughs> cut it loose, and that was enough to yeah. be a breach because so industrial the, action is protected. Yeah, yeah,
1: but the unique thing about this case is we always talk about workplace rights either past or current. Yeah. This is the first that I'm aware of where we're talking about a future workplace right. Yeah. And because that's what the legislation provides for, to prevent yeah. the exercise of a workplace right.
0: Yeah. The fact so, that it was going to happen in the future and didn't exist at the time didn't matter, yeah. the High Court said. And so very interesting case mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see how it will be applied in the future. Yeah.
1: All right, on to the main okay. topic. We're doing all right for time. <laughs> we're I think we're a minute ahead. Yeah. Doing well. yeah. We're doing better than Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're both powering through. Okay, so... You and Andrew talked about the Closing the Loopholes Bill um, and just touched on each topic. We're going to focus on a few of them more in depth for for the next next few weeks. weeks.
0: Yeah. Um, I would really clarify that the Federal Government gave everyone a breather because this is not being discussed until the start of next year. Yeah. But, look, it gives you the time to actually unpack it in detail and see how it's going to affect you, which is Mm -hmm. why we think it's important to give these practical examples now. Yes.
1: And in reality, it could be a full 15 months or so before yeah. something is coming to effect. But as Nina said, it's good to get ahead of the game and to know what to expect. Yeah. Hopefully, none of it, you will ever come across this <laughs> one <laughs> because the bill will introduce a new criminal offence for wage theft, which mm. up until now, it's always been a civil penalty. Except um, for in Victoria. Okay. Yeah. And Queensland, thank oh, you. Oh, there you go. Thank you. But it will only apply where the employer intentionally fails to pay wages or entitlements owed to employees under an industrial instrument. Mm-hmm. And the Commonwealth DPP or the Australian Federal Police will need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the conduct of the employee was intentional. So underpayments that are accidental, inadvertent or by genuine mistake will still only be subject to the civil penalties. Yeah. And they won't be caught under the criminal prosecution, yeah. So, for example, if you genuinely misclassify someone under yeah. what, that's a classic example. But huge penalties. Oh gosh, yeah, and, and imprisonment. So the maximum is ten years imprisonment. Yeah. For for the individual, individual. Yeah. yeah. For a company, the maximum penalty will be either the greater of three times the underpayment, or around seven point eight million.
0: Yeah, which is huge because you think three times, like some of the significant penalties, oh, sorry, underpayments by unis are millions of dollars. Three times that is huge. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: And for an individual too, 1.5 mil is the maximum. Yeah. So it's massive.
0: Yeah. And that's at this time based on the current penalty units. Like that's only going to increase. Mm. So it's just crazy.
1: Yeah,
0: But I think, Kim, what's interesting is, the federal government have taken, like, a really different approach to the current other wage theft legislation in that there are three kind of mechanisms to work with the federal governmentsman if you mm-hmm. have inadvertently engaged in wage theft. Yeah. So, firstly, you can self-report and it's going to be probably a system like how you can self-report to the ATO if you've underpaid, means you can work with the federal government's to fix it mm-hmm. and it means that you likely won't be prosecuted. I think it's really good that they've put that in place, but it does mean for employers that you're not completely off the hook because yeah. you've established the knowledge then yeah. that you're aware yeah. of what you did wrong. And if you do it again, you are definitely going to get mm. convicted and probably jailed for it because... Yeah. It's got the established knowledge, just like in safety law. The other two interesting things is they're introducing a voluntary small business compliance code, mm. which is, I think is going to be like um, the small business dismissal code. And if the mm. business can prove that it complied that code, then it will not be prosecuted yeah. for wage theft. Mm. And also the option to enter into cooperative agreements with the Fair of Ombudsman, so yeah. something like an enforceable undertaking. Yeah which, once again, is a really good option for businesses but establishes that knowledge, which means the next time it comes around, mm-hmm. the threshold's going to be higher and you're definitely going to get in trouble.
1: Yeah, But that's just the criminal side. They haven't just left the civil oh, side. no, away. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's more to come. So we've still got the civil penalties in place, obviously, and we're going to see a significant increase in those as well. So for a company where there's been accidental conduct, the penalty will go up from around ninety-four thousand up to four seventy. At the moment, there's threshold where it has to be a serious contravention, so a systematic pattern. Yeah, they're lowering the hurdle, so it's actually going to be easier to penalise for the, under the same. For a serious contravention. Wow. To be knowing or reckless conduct. Oh wow! Yeah. 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 So there you go. Penalties increasing from for an individual one hundred and ninety up to nearly a million. Wow. And for a company. About fivefold, nine hundred forty up to four point seven million yeah. a potential maximum penalty under the civil provisions. Yeah, so
0: that means that even if you're not criminally prosecuted, that doesn't mean you get off the oh, hook. Oh no, no, no! You could be up for significant mm. penalties, and I think that's what the government's making clear. That look, we cannot have wage theft anymore. No. not in this day and age. And no. if you do it, even inadvertently, you will get punished. Mm. And look, that's what's coming into effect but we've mm. seen like with the existing provisions that the Fair Work Ombudsman has not been shy of prosecuting under the yeah. civil the current Fair Work mm. Act either like we've seen with the Fair Work Ombudsman and I think it was Make Doe mm. they went after the franchise itself so I think it was Baker's Delight they were franchisees who had been underpaying yeah. and they went bankrupt and Fair Work said, I don't care, I'm going after the franchisor, because they had knowledge that this was a high risk. This franchisee had underpaid several times before, Mm. and that was enough. It doesn't matter that they didn't have direct control, they weren't the ones controlling it, you still had a liability. So, already seeing them prosecuting under the franchisor Mm. liability under the Fair Work Act, but we've also seen with that other case i think we spoke about a couple of weeks ago against char time where direct knowledge doesn't matter like the fair government went after that managing director even though he didn't have direct knowledge of the underpayment but his decision directly led to it because when he was choosing between the two models of costings there was enough there that should have flagged for him that hey this is problematic one model says it's got everything. The other model doesn't mention anything about allowances, casual loadings or anything like that, but he chose that one. Mm. Making that decision, he should have known that it was going to lead to an underpayment yeah. and that was enough. So it's a very, very mm. low threshold. And, like, they're also cracking down on deductions, like mm. we saw with the Fair Ombudsman and NQ powertrains. That was a farming case where they were paying under the Pacific Labor Scheme and there were several unlawful deductions, which they had thought they had been doing correctly. Mm. And the Federal Ombudsman said, no, that's wage theft as well. And look, surprisingly, actually, under the new closed loop stuff, mm. that's not going to be under the civil penalties, the uh, criminal penalties. Yeah. But you will definitely be exposed to those significant civil penalties, particularly if it's underpayments involving vulnerable workers. Mm. So we can mm-hmm. see that with these new changes, the Fair Commsman is just going to go harder. Yeah, and they will definitely not hesitate to use these new powers. No. Yeah. No. So I think let's talk about some of the case studies because. We've got some practical examples
1: mm. of what the new changes will look like in action. So, Amy was an HR manager at Dollar Co., which was an investment fund. Her boss, Melinda, was set on growth, but funds were tight. Melinda asked Amy to recruit some accounts clerks that would need to work across different time zones. She asked Amy to work out the cheapest models. Amy came up with two, on your point about the two different models, need. Yeah. take note. <laughs> One award wage that had no adjustment for working outside of Australian hours, her note said that this breaches the award, but there are plenty of people who are willing to do it. The second had bumped up base rate with set-off clause that covered out of hours, but was $24 more per week per employee. Amy did the calculations, showed it was lawful and said that this was the preferred method. Melinda came back to Amy and said, go with Model 1, so Amy recruited under Model 1. So I question who is liable and what is the risk of penalty. Yeah. So Andrew definitely drafted this based off the tax timeline. Yeah. No doubt.
0: Yeah. And so it would definitely be Dollar Co. Who would be liable for the underpayments, and definitely Amy and Melinda. Melinda. So yeah, Melinda made well. the decision, and there was enough there that she could see that there was a problem. Both her and Amy choosing to ignore it mm. means that they would probably be caught under the new like the knowing and recklessness actually. So Mm. definitely potentially could be under the serious conventions depending how far reaching it was.
1: Mm. And potentially risk jail though. Yeah, definitely. Because it was definitely
0: not knowing. Yeah, and and it was intentional. I think that's a good point as well. You could also get, we should be clear though, it's not one or the other. You could be pursued for both. Yeah, Yeah, so what seemed like such a small decision Mm. could have, Really wide ramifications. Yeah.
1: yeah. Not worth it, people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we've got another case study for the main topic. So, Basil was the managing director of Mine More Pty Ltd. MM acquired Gold Co. and its employees during the due diligence process. Oh, so phase. Basil and his HR manager, Gwen, noticed its wages bill was beneath theirs, but observed in a board meeting the employees were lucky as their employees received substantially above the award under an EA. MM decided to hold GoCo in a fresh entity to avoid losing the wage rate benefit. Six months after purchase, the CFMEU mining division exercising their new powers under closing the loop. Yes, so that's a new power as well. They're yeah, going to be yeah. able to go in and investigate any suspected underpayment, which mm. a lot of people have been like, oh my gosh, the union's going to have so many powers. Mm. They kind of already had the power already, yeah. which we spoke about last week, but it's a specific power now so they can go in to investigate these contraventions. So entered the site to investigate underpayments. They worked with MM's accountant and realised that there were underpayments. MM immediately backpaid the employees
1: from acquisition. So who is liable and what is the penalty? Okay, so the new entity that engaged or acquired Gold Co. Gold yep. Co. will be liable. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Ben, what, be- Basil yep. and Gwen will certainly be civilly prosecuted. Yeah,
0: because yeah. they just didn't have the systems in place. No. Like, it, during the due diligence process, they had enough there to know that, hey, that's weird. Why are they getting paid the same, but yet... Yeah, We have to pay less. Mm. That doesn't make sense logically. And so they should have checked and did some kind of auditing process to make sure and then put proper systems in place to make sure it was things. So if you don't do that, then you inherit these problems Mm. and you become liable for them. All right. Okay. Doing well for time. (laughs) I'm
1: a bit worried we're going a bit too quick. (laughs)
0: Let's speed slowly. Okay. So this is a major case
1: study. Like nothing to do with the main topic. No, just just one of Andrew's curlers. Um, So, Treat Co had 11 employees. It sold chocolate treats from its shop in Ligon Street in Carlton. It didn't adjust quickly to COVID and had been on the financial ropes since. Its owner, Sergio, was scared. When Doris, his salesperson, took time off for domestic violence, he was very unhappy. He explained to her that he could not afford her to be absent, so he restructured the business and made her and two others redundant. All of them had worked there for seven years. He said to Doris he had to let her go and make her redundant because he had no idea if she could make it to work given her family circumstances and it was all hands on deck and he would take over her role. Ooh. Yeah,
0: okay. not, not the best thing to say to no. someone like, as, you <laughs> as you're letting them go. <laughs> oh
1: God. So, Nina, what claim does Doris have both now and if the closing the loop changes are brought into effect?
0: Well, so now she's definitely got a general objections claim. Yeah. So he's taking adverse against action against her. Yes, he's going through a downturn and there's objective reasons for him making her redundant. Mm. But he specifically said to her, <laughs> look, I don't think you can make it given your family yeah, circumstances. circumstances. So yeah. he's discriminating on the basis of her sex workplace right to take family and domestic violence mm. leave as well. Stupid, stupid stuff. But later, with the new closing loop legislation under the discrimination law, mm-hmm. family and domestic violence is protected. Yeah. So he would be up for a discrimination claim That's as well. And I think a lot of employees forget that it's not one or the other. Like. It's one or the other for unfair dismissal and general protections Mm. because they're under the same jurisdiction. But you can file a discrimination claim as well. Mm. And we are seeing that more and more with employees, particularly as discrimination claims are easier to file. They go Mm. through the VCAT or Australian Human Rights Commission and it's much more employee friendly. So it's procedural. They get mediation and it's much more about how they feel there's less of an evidence threshold as well Mm. and there's significant penalties Mm. so just be mindful if you are making someone redundant that you've got objective reasoning and that's supported by written documentation Mm. like we always advise clients if there's ever a risk of a general protections claim to have written documentations to clearly set out the objective reason Mm. remember also, with redundancies, it cannot be linked to performance yeah. because then it's not a genuine redundancy. Mm. So please record objective reasons.
1: And yeah. try and only have one decision maker. Yes. And if it does result in a claim, messy. you've only got one person giving evidence, not mm. three, you don't have the risk of all of them giving different versions of events. Or
0: if they've left. Like sometimes, sometimes it's like someone's left and you can't get them. So then mm. then it just falls over because you can't get the witnesses. Yeah. So, really important lesson. All right. So, are the staff entitled to severance payments now and after closing the loop legislation becomes
1: law? Okay. So, they wouldn't be now because they're a small business. Yep. Okay. But after closing the loopholes, if employees are terminated due to insolvency and then they can receive a redundancy if the employer was not a small business at the time of the insolvency or prior to the insolvency. Yeah. So, that's a really mm. interesting change that's going yeah. through the Closing Loop,
0: specifically to target businesses who just try to declare insolvency to escape their obligations yeah. and then end up creating new companies like Phoenix mm. companies to get around it. So, yeah. I think it's an important change and a good reminder to people mm. not that any of our clients no, would do this anyway. <laughs>
1: Okay, Uh, there was no consultation by Sergio. Could the union and employees bring a dispute or seek relief in the federal court for breach of award? Yes, they definitely could because
0: failure to consult means it's definitely not a general redundancy. Mm -hmm. So it's a breach of any EBA or the award. So definitely they could bring a dispute that it wasn't correct and seek um, penalties as Mm -hmm. well for breaching the award. So... Not only would you have to pay, you'd have to pay
1: significantly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so could Doris make a good workers' compensation claim? Yes, I suspect she would bring a mental injury claim on the basis of the fact that she'd been made redundant. So then what the insurer would consider is if there has been reasonable management action as a Mm defence. There has certainly been management action in the form of making her redundant. but the evidence would disclose that it wasn't reasonable. No, not what he said that to her. For the reasons that he gave. So um, yes, she would have a very good workers' comp claim. Yeah, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Finally, Nina, would Sergio's contract—sorry, Con- conduct—be a breach of psychological hazards? Oh
0: yeah, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. For the same reasons that it'd be um, a successful psychological <laughs> claim, because he's just exposed her to so many psychological mm-hmm. hazards. Like he's not been understanding. He's literally made her redundant because of something outside of her control she's probably extremely distressed because of the family um, domestic violence leave Mm. which in itself is a psychological hazard which as an employer you should be helping to provide support and things like that and instead he's turning around and getting rid of her job so yeah probably could have actions under a safety claim too Mm. so just crazy crazy stuff (laughs) So, Sergio has become insolvent and then is liable for a lot more claims. Yeah. Would not recommend (laughs) it.
1: Always good advice, people.
0: Yes. Well, (laughs) thank you for joining us. I think we made it in good time. We did. Yeah. So, give us a reaction so we can make sure Kim comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Or give us a thumbs up. Thank you. Bye. Bye.